Hey everybody, I'm Mike Yeager, and I want to thank you for checking us out. Welcome to Vessel. We're so excited to get things rolling here in Meadows Place. It has been a blast so far. If you're in the Meadows or nearby in Southwest Houston or Fort Bend County, Stafford, we would love to meet you. Or if you know anyone in the area searching for a Christian community that is Jesus-centered, justice-minded, and a safe and inclusive place for all people. We are gathering regularly through the fall during this initial planting season and invite you to join us on this shared journey of healing and hope. Here's the message from this weekend, and we pray it is a blessing to you. All right, so over the past couple months, um, those of you who have been around, we, we've started getting to know one another, you know, right? Uh, so I think it's safe to admit something to you all as we're, we're peeling back the layers. I'm, I'm not proud of it. Um, but I was once the near victim of a phishing scam. And when I say once, know that I mean recently. Uh, so I'm in my office set up at home a couple weeks ago, and I'm in the middle of catching up on a few things, and, and I get a phone call, and it says AT&T on my screen, so I answer. And the cheeriest voice greets me on the other end. It says, hello, Mr. Yeager, good morning, this is so-and-so. Now, now, we have received notification of a, particular, a potentially fraudulent purchase on your account. Do you recognize this address? No, I don't. Uh, well, I'm so sorry for any inconvenience this may cause, uh, but I'm, I'm sending you an email uh, to confirm the uh, inquiry into any potential malfeasance. You know, I'm paraphrasing. Can you please confirm this code as, as well? Now, now, at this point, um, I think that's odd, but like a total dummy, I do um, give her the code. <laughs> Uh, and then she says, okay, thank you very much. Now, uh, now I'm sending you a text. Can you confirm that code as, as well? Now, at this point, my, my warning sensors are starting to faintly prickle. They've, they've arrived late to the party. And I, and I look at this text, which reads, your verification code is blank. Uh, contact us if you did not request this code. And importantly, we'll never contact you to ask for this code. <laughs> So up until now, it's been that thing where you look into Homer Simpson's brain and see like a simple clanging monkey. But thankfully, I am met by a belated wave of recognition that this text and this request are wholly incompatible. So they are trying to bypass my two-factor authentication, which I usually find totally annoying, except that this was the precise instance in which it was designed for, right? And, and I say, no, I don't think I'm gonna do that. And they hang up immediately. Rats, right? So there was, uh, quite fortunately, no, no uh, compromising of my, of my personal data. There was an attempt to change my password and details, but I was able to quickly undo my mistake and, and lock them out. You damage to nothing except perhaps my, my pride at, at such a silly lapse of, of basic, basic judgment. Um, it was an important reminder for me, though, that we live among wolves. So this individual presumably spends their, their whole day after, after waking up and getting dressed and going to their place of work, spend their whole day making phone calls, and their voice is bright and helpful, waiting on vulnerable prey, not, not in isolation. This person is not in charge of this operation. They, they do this as part of a sly, sophisticated, patient, and persistent system, part of a pack. And so over the past couple gatherings, we've been exploring some of the dimensions of our initial identity statements as an infant faith community, as followers in the way modeled by Jesus, that we, we say that we are embodied stories of healing and hope 
molded and mended by Christ our Savior, voyaging together, and in so doing, bearing God's love to every horizon, whether that horizon be geographic or relational or otherwise. So today I want us to consider the third piece, the core of Christian community, why it is that we need one another, why it is that we are made for one another. And I know that, that some, perhaps many of us, are, are here, at least in part, because we have had our own wolf encounters, some out in the, the wild, some within the supposed safety of the church itself. Because when I say wolf, hear me clearly that I am not assigning a blanket title on any particular group or nationality or race or political leaning, belief system, vocation, what have you. When I say wolf, I mean by the definition that Jesus offers in Matthew 7, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorns or figs from thistles? No, so a prophet in this sense, being anyone or anything that offers a, uh, paints a vision of the future, contrasted with a critique of the present. Maybe a future in which you and those whom you love are, are promised protection from all harm, and your enemies will be brought to ruin, and those who look and vote and worship like you will be in charge, and you will lack for nothing. All you have to do is trust me. All you have to do is buy this. That's the voice of a wolf. The word ravenous, it comes from a root, meaning to, to plunder with lust, with obsessive greed, to steal. It's all-consuming. And if you are caught alone, disconnected, busy, detached from your body, detached from the moment, detached from meaningful relationships, this world will move quickly to do just that, to consume your time and your attention and your resources. And it is not overstating it to say that it wants your soul until there's nothing left. So later on, when commissioning the 12 disciples for their first foray into the field, what does Jesus say? I, I am sending you out like sheep in the midst of wolves. So be as wise as serpents and innocents as doves, but not just that, but he sends them seemingly defenseless. Take no gold or silver or copper in your belts or no bag for your journey or two tunics or sandals or a staff. Like, like, excuse me, Rabbi, you just said that there are wolves out there. And indeed there are, which is why it is such a good thing that we do not venture into the fields on our own. And this is not a message hear me clearly about, about fear, about the boogeymen lurking in the dark or the danger of the supposed other. We see the kind of rotten fruit that that fear-mongering and mistrust lead to as division cuts ever deeper into our nation and as our LGBTQ plus family are ostracized and scapegoated and if certain people had their way, erased. And as innocent children in Gaza are murdered by the press of a button, scores of miles away and justified by collateral loss and an endless escalation of wrath and retribution of which they play no part, of which they bear no part. The spam call, that's just, that's just a metaphor. It's an entry point to consider the, the, the myriad forces of darknesses that work within the world and, and the inner darknesses that work within our own shadow spaces. 
and how much darker they can seem when we try to face them alone. So if you take away anything today, may it be the reminder that in Christ, you are never alone, never forsaken. We're part of a flock, and more importantly, that flock has a shepherd. So in the Gospel of John, chapter 10, Jesus elaborates upon two of his I am statements we we talked about last week, last time together. These are his words of comfort. Very truly, I tell you, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate, but climbs in by another way, is a sheep and a thief and a bandit. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. Now the gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will not follow a stranger, but they will run from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this figure of speech with them, but they didn't understand what he was saying to them. Blank stares. This is hilarious. I imagine Jesus looking out at a sea of befuddled faces. He pauses. He maybe kind of like lightly rubs his temples, sighs deeply, and he tries again. So Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. Okay? All who came before me are thieves and bandits, but the sheep did not listen to them. And again, for emphasis, I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out to find pasture. The thief, it comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And we can hear the difference. Yes, but not only am I the gate itself, he says, but I am also that good shepherd. That good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep, the, the hired hand who is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and runs away and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. The hired hand runs away because the hired hand does not care for the sheep. But I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me just as the father knows me. And I know the father and I lay down my life the sheep. Now, for a stretch of time longer than I'd care to admit, I forgot that. Like, this sheep has a plan. Thank you very much. I'm good. And I was caught in a flood of of, of anxiety and the, the misguided belief that I needed to be everywhere for everyone and to have all of the answers. Pretty clear test for the record that if you are trying to be in any way, what, like omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent, your self-will has become an idol, and you will burn out. And as I've mentioned to many of you before, I I am a person in long-term recovery from alcoholism. And December 10th, now less than a month away, will mark four increasingly joyful years of sobriety, which seemed at a time impossible. And it wasn't my first attempt. You know, I first recognized the need to address what what I, I had clearly recognized had become an addiction back in 2017 and, and had put together a stretch of time and, and had connected with Sober Fellowship and had a close church community with whom Lauren and I were walking. So what happens? Well, I experienced a slip, but I couldn't bear the thought of admitting what I felt as shame and saw as failure 
to my spouse, my friends, my coworkers, and even those sharing the daily walk of navigating the emotional and spiritual intricacies of this disease. Even though I heard in those circles time and again, we don't shoot our wounded. I didn't believe it because I've just spent the last 15 years in the church and I wasn't sure it could be trusted. So we like to say that vulnerability is handled with honor and delicacy, but my guess is that we have all at one time or another experienced something to the contrary, that thing that that was not held with love and must never again be named because doing so would surely leave me alone. These old scripts of, of, of... uh, judgment and comparison and, and achievement and reputation and shame, they took over. And I thought, this weakness cannot come to light again. No one can know. You won't survive it. Because it's so much harder when that voice of the wolf, it's coming from inside the house. You don't need anyone. You have everything you need right here. But the shepherd does not abandon The sheep does not leave the one behind. And if we'll allow it, if we'll allow it, will lead us lovingly back home, requiring nothing but but even the begrudging commitment that we do, in fact, need a shepherd after all. We can stop pretending otherwise. I could stop pretending otherwise. And so how many times have we we carefully pressed our clothes and, and neatly quaffed our hair and put on a strained smile to show up and to sing and to pray, all the while consumed by the fight that took place in the car 20 minutes ago? Or the toxic notion that at least some part of me is not welcome in this place? Beloved of God, hear me clearly. You belong. All of you and all pieces of all of you belong because the good shepherd has claimed and named you as his own. The sheep don't get to decide who belongs, though we try. And Jesus goes on, he says, I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me because I lay down my life in order to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it up again. I have received this command from my Father. One flock, one shepherd, lovingly gathered in a shared space in which our our wounds are given time to heal, becoming in turn the scars which serve as a collective cry of defiance and gratitude and grace, we're still here. The only alternative to community is the opiate of self. I'm going to say that again. The only alternative to community is the opiate of self. And yours may not be alcohol or any substance for that matter. Yours may be shopping or gambling or your work your appearance, your phone, consumption of media, pornography, all of the dopamine releasers. Richard Rohr goes so far as to suggest that we are all addicts. He writes, alcoholics just have their powerlessness visible for all to see. The rest of us disguise it in different ways and overcompensate for our more hidden and subtle addictions and attachments, especially our addiction to our own way of thinking. 
So a British uh, Swiss writer, uh, Johann Hari, he gave a, a TED Talk a few years back. It has over 20 million views. I'll, and I'm going to link it to the podcast. I would really urge you to watch the whole thing. I first saw it during my inpatient uh, rehabilitation, and, and it largely centers around the evolution and science of addiction and treatment following the large-scale drug bans of the early uh, 20th century that started certainly in the U.S. and in many other nations, uh, which had established punishments as the primary deterrent to subsequent use, right? So rising in contrast to those assumptions was work that eventually led to a study uh, led by a psychologist named Bruce Alexander in Vancouver. And so he led a team uh, who created what came to be known as Rat Park. May have heard of Rat Park. So the control elements of the experiment had a single rat alone in an empty cage and two water dispensers, one of which was laced with a small amount of heroin. Unsurprisingly, they found that rats placed in this enclosure quickly developed an attachment and led to overdose. The stunning discovery was when they did the same experiment, but they changed a key variable. They, they placed the rat in an expanded environment with various levels and tunnels, and most importantly, other rats. When they did that, use of the heroin-laced water dropped dramatically. Overdose eliminated entirely. So we have an innate need to bond, to connect, and lacking genuine connection and community, we will bond with something else, anything else that will bring relief and temporarily stave off our, our feelings of, of loneliness and disconnection. Hari notes this, it's terrifying that in American life, as the square footage of our homes has gone up, has steadily risen, the number of close friends we report having has gone proportionally down. Isolation is a cancer, exacerbated by technology, exacerbated by the championing of self-sufficiency, and the church must, must live into its calling as an oasis to the contrary, or, or we will become like, like what Jesus calls whitewashed tombs, beautiful on the outside, but filled with dead bones. So in the conclusion to his talk, Hari summarizes quite simply. He says, the opposite of addiction isn't sobriety. The opposite of addiction is connection. And so I believe, continue to believe in a church where authenticity is an antidote to shame and hiding and where both the burdens and the rejoicings of this life are, are shared in kind and the downcast and the neglected are restored to the vitality of fellowship, for just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so is it with Christ. For in the one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jew or Greek, slave or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. I cannot say it enough. You belong. So I invite you all, as we look forward to the, the, the coming year, and as I said, the Christian calendar really begins anew with our next gathering together, the beginning of Advent, heralding the, the cosmically momentous arrival of our infant king. And between now and then, I, I'd love to invite you to pray and to ask God the areas of your life that, that you're holding back and keeping community 
at arm's length, towing the water, resisting vulnerability. And I get it. Many of you have been hurt before by risking just that. May we find together the courage to risk again and to hold one another's stories and harms and hopes with the kind of love that, that illuminates God's glory shining through each and every crack. Because if we do that, the transformation that God will bring to and through this community will be something to behold. What lay ahead on this journey beyond the, the protection of the, the gates, only the shepherd knows. The one who lays down his life for the flock so may we follow that voice in trust and find out together. Would you pray with me? Lord God, you are the true light which the darkness cannot overtake. Help us to continue growing in trust that you illuminate the path ahead and will lead us according to your will. Help us to lay aside the fears and anxieties and resentments that muffle the sound of our shepherd's voice whether at the gentle greeting of the day or when we feel lost in the dark, may your voice be comforting and clear. Thank you for your presence within and alongside us in this world and, and the blessing it is to live together and strengthen the bonds of community. Shape us in a way of collaboration, compassion, humility, justice, generosity, and, and may the different stories and healings and dreams that enter this circle resound in unlikely harmony. May we bear your image with the fullness of our lives, our every breath be to your glory. We pray this in gratitude and great hope. In your name, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.